Today's episode is a circle of a conversation drawn with the wonderful Cindy Crow, recorded in her cozy little home with her cats close by, also home of the Blue Sky Community Healing Center that she started. Something different, this way comes something, something different, something different, something different, this way comes something, something different, something different. And if you're wondering what you can do, like what's feasible for you, what small start you can make in making more good things happen around you and in you, if you're a little overwhelmed, then this is the conversation for you. And it's such a welcome conversation for me, because in imagining the kindness economy this season, I don't want to be limited by me. I want to expand into other imaginations that spark my heart and broaden my own ideas. And that's what this is. I wrote her a song, too, which, as I play it, I I circle my hands around to honor the four directions, a clap for north and east and south and west, the grandfather teachings, the land, the sky, the earth, the water. Drawing circles, standing strong, Cindy circles, standing strong, reconciling and beguiling, respect, love, and kindness, respect, love, and kindness, reconcilers standing strong. But I'll give you the whole of that after this bit of a conversation. Let me tell you how I met Cindy Crow first, though. It was probably 20 years ago when I was newly moved here and tasked with the job of of covering the community beat as a co-host on CBC Radio. And Cindy was beating drums of welcome and healing and engagement and community building that I wanted to amplify on that beat. Um, so we, we interviewed her a few times while I had that job, and she comes to my attention and brightens my heart ever since. In fact, just a few weeks ago, I was at an event that she co-presented and put on by the Blue Sky Community Healing Center that she leads called Remembering, with a hyphen on either side of the word member, so that it makes you think of dismemberment. And it's a truth and reconciliation activity for a group that I got to take part in and that she is offering around town, I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. It's a powerful way to better understand how we got where we are and how we can move forward from here. Cindy is a powerhouse. But man, is she ever easy company. Such a big, sweet heart. After taking part in her activity, I asked if she would gift me with this conversation. And she was so quick to say yes and gracious in inviting me to her home. She served me hot tea. You can kind of hear us slurping at it. Introduced her cats who cozied up. You can hear them purring and the odd uh, bell around the neck tingling in the background. So let's get into it, starting with how Cindy introduces herself. 
Memeshkwegabawik, Nindishnikaz, Adik Nindodam, Opwaganasanin Nindonjipa, Nibin Nindonji. My spirit name is Standing Strong, and it has great responsibility attached to that name. My clan is Caribou, which are gentle people, they're reconcilers. I'm from the Red Rock Indian Band. And I'm happy to call this sacred land Nibin, which is very close to what other people say Nibing, but I call it Nibin, and to me that means it is summer or it's the summertime. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to being able to, um, what's the word, through the system to declare this land sacred and to declare it of um, archaeological and historical significance. So that is my one of my goals for this year. That's a great introduction. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> so uh, thank you for having me in your home. You are very welcome. It's my pleasure. Like I said, I don't get a lot of I don't get a lot of visitors out here. <laughs> it's so beautiful, though. Once here, you'll be oh, called back. Goodness. Yeah, it's it's heaven. I am absolutely living in heaven. I don't know if you had a chance to see the river yet, but it started to run two days ago. And this is always my favorite time of the year because um, I get to see all the animals that live in the water because you don't get to see them too much during the winter. I do get to see a few, but you don't get to see too much. So yeah, you know, the ducks are back, saw the geese yesterday. I just love it when the goslings start to uh, go on their little adventures with mom and dad. And they come and they sun themselves in an area next to, uh, next to the river here. And uh, yeah, I just, I just love that. I look forward to that every single year. And the other thing I look forward to is seeing Mama Moose and her baby, or possibly it's the yearling from last year. But yeah, I haven't seen her yet. I haven't seen her yet. I know she's around, but I haven't seen her yet. So yeah, those are my favorite things to watch for in the springtime. But it's also a magical place because I can feel your attention here. You know, it's not like you chose a bit of yard because that's uh, a status symbol or something and you live inside the house staring at screens. This is a space you're rooted to. Absolutely. And it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's so interesting how fast that happened. You know, I've only been here five years, but it feels like I've been here forever. And I had a chance on Friday to go and pick up my grandchildren in town and bring them to an Easter egg hunt out here at the Blake Hall. And with all the warm wishes from the people and the conversations I had and the hugs, it's just this sense. It's kind of like the first time I was inside the teaching lodge. You just had this sense that you were home. You know, you, you, you are home. This is where I belong. This is where I feel safe. This is where I want to be. I get lots of invitations to travel and speak at different events. And I always say to them, well, can I do it virtually? So they have to consider that, right? Um, but yeah, I haven't traveled anywhere. I've been to, I, I've gone to Winnipeg once since 2015 and I used to travel all the time I I would easily put 40,000 kilometers on my vehicle so now that I'm here and yeah this is heaven for me this is absolutely my sanctuary 
I have no desire to go anywhere. And it's your home, not just because you're here, but because of how you're choosing to be here. Exactly. It's it's a perfect location. Um, we're very close to the lake. So, you know, as my daughter says, when stuff starts to happen and, and we need to protect the lake, we're really in good close proximity to it. This river that goes through my property, that's the watershed that goes into Cloud River, which quickly goes into Little Trout Bay. And I am surrounded by three conservation areas. So there's the LRCA, right? That's, that's a kilometer and a half down the road. You've got the M, what is it? The NMCA, National Marine Conservation Area. And uh, gosh, I'm forgetting the other one. The Watershed Conservancy, the Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy. And the other thing is, is I'm only 10 minutes from, from the Minnesota border. So, you know, we have our relatives on the other side of the river as well to to help with uh, protecting the land and and protecting uh, protecting the water. There was an elder I ran into a couple of weeks ago in Nibigan at um, the celebration of laughter for Norma Fawcett. And uh, she said to me, she said, yeah, I need to talk to you. She said, I can see there's some mining exploration going on next to the highway. So I haven't had a chance to look into it yet, but... Yeah, we don't want any mining here, that's for darn sure. And, um, you know, we want to keep it as pure as we can because there has to be somewhere for our descendants to be able to go, to be able to enjoy nature. And, you know, with all the things going on, even up north um, with the Ring of Fire, I feel so, you know, it feels so important to me to protect this land at all costs. And, and not just protect it, not just put a fence up and stand at the fence guard, but build a relationship to it. Absolutely. So yes, I'm enjoying, <laughs> I'm enjoying my relationship with this land and, and hopefully to help inspire other people to also feel that relationship and that interconnectedness with, with these beings, uh, the seen and the unseen ones, to help their spirits to be able to, I guess, show them, you know, how important it is and why it's important and to really help them to get connected with themselves. That's, that's the, um, that's, that's my, that's my goal at all times is to help people to get reconnected to themselves because we all need it. And um, I find that it's the only thing that has saved me is that reconnection. What I love about that is at the heart of of wishing upon everybody that they were more connected with themselves is that you like people. You know, you think at heart we have good things to offer and to share and to celebrate. And I find personally for me that um, there's a lot of ebbs and flows with that. I remember um, in the new year thinking how frustrated I was with the duality of this experience that we're having. So 
we are spirits having a human experience. And I do get frustrated with the duality part of it. But I realized that if I wasn't experiencing the duality, I wouldn't get to see Mama Moose and her baby. I wouldn't get to see the coyote standing in my driveway. You know, I wouldn't get to see the bobcat <laughs> showing up looking for goodies. I mean, I just wouldn't get, I wouldn't get to see those things. So there is balance and that's part of the duality. And so I have to console myself with that. But I am having a hard time with it. I, I, I'm, I'll be the first one to admit it. So yeah, I do have difficulty with the ebbs and the flows of, of this experience that we're having. But I don't think I could be doing it as well as I am being out here in this sanctuary. Because when I was living in town, I was barely, barely hanging it together because um, everything about the city was bothering me. I could literally hear the electricity. It was like a buzz in my head. I couldn't stand it anymore. And yeah, I came home one day and my new neighbor had decided to cut down all the trees that was lined up between our between our two properties. And that was sort of the last straw. I said to my daughter, I, I can't I can't stay here any longer. I really need to get into the bush. I, I if I'm going to be able to save myself, I need to get into the bush. I'm very sensitive. I'm a very sensitive person, and I feel so many things. You know, we hear about empaths. I don't know if it's so much about being an empath or just simply my gifts of having this connection with all of these beings that are around us. Um, again, whether they're the seen or the unseen ones. You know, we are surrounded by these beings and I feel such a close affinity to them. And yeah, sometimes it's hard to be hanging out with humans. I, I sometimes have a hard time with it. Um, so that's why I live out here, is so that I can be at peace and, and have that serenity and be able to truly breathe, you know, be able to actually breathe. So yeah, I, I notice it when people come out whether they're coming out for a ceremony or a land-based activity, I, I, I watch them and I can see that on their faces. I can see it on their body. You can see how they shift from, um, you know, being, being in an urban area to, to being out on the land. And you can just start to see how they start to relax. It's, it's like a whole shift in them. And that's what people need. So if you could imagine a, a better and not distant future, we can't all live here. You'd have too many people in your space. Um, but 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 can you imagine how we could create spaces to live together here that would give people more of that peace and and connection and health? I I do think I can imagine it. And yes, that can happen wherever you're living, absolutely. But it takes time, right? You have to actually have some downtime to have those experiences mm. and like to give yourself time to have those experiences. You know, um, the plants in your house, let's say, are you communicating with them? Are you feeling them? Are you, 
Are you having an experience with them? Just like I have all these cats here. (laughs) You know, are you in touch with them? Are you able to understand what they're saying to you? Are you feeling that love between them? Because they have nothing but love for us. It's, It's unconditional and... You know, they don't have any filters, so they're directly connected at all times. We have all of these filters that we have to work through, but it is possible to be connected, absolutely. I I find it a little hard to be in this experience sometimes. I like to stay in the spirit world. That feels better to me. But, you know, I am reminded by spirit that, no, I do need to stay in my body. And so that's, that's the challenge, is to, is to stay in my body. But yeah, while we are experiencing this awe of nature and all of these wonderful beings around us, that's when we're connected. When we're in a state of gratitude, that's when we're connected. It's, there's, there's simple things to do. Some people like music. I'm very inspired by music. When I feel those feelings in my body when I'm listening to music, I know I'm connected. So you can get into a practice where you're connected all the time. But not connected to other people's agendas. Because you said downtime. You need to give yourself downtime. You need to open your heart to gratitude and awareness. And um, I just feel like in my 52 years on worth the the number of things that are trying to distract me take over my agenda for their agendas have grown exponentially and I mean the worst is the phone beeps at me or it vibrates or whatever whatever I would never have put up with that 20 years ago right I used to unplug my phone and my and my um doorbell all the time when I needed to focus and would not worry whether I was focused for an hour or four hours everybody can get back to me later and now if I get unplugged for four hours in the middle of a work day long meeting I'm focused on whatever and I go back I will have at least one person who's gone frantic because I must have you know fallen off the edge of the earth if I couldn't respond to them in four hours, and that's an actual human being, as opposed to all the notifications that might have wanted to nudge me. All of the, all of the ways that we get pulled into somebody else's agenda, and the discipline it takes to be that oddball who figures out what their own agenda is and invests in it. <laughs> I'm laughing because um, I'm thinking about my family, my siblings. Who, who would always say, oh, yeah, don't call Cindy at supper time because she's already getting ready for bed. Um, <clears throat> I do have a downtime, and I respect that downtime. And so what I will do is put on the do not disturb on my phone. And people know that. People know that I'm not listening to the phone um, in the evening. And I will do that if I'm also on an important call. So if I'm working with a client and we're having a spiritual chat or we're in ceremony. Yeah, and you're right. Everything else can wait until we're done. And when you say no agenda, I dislike agendas so much. 
like I had a retreat here last September. I said, there was no agenda. There was no itinerary. We were following the spiritual guidance of each of us. And that's how the weekend happened. And I, I laugh because the people arrived before the retreat and they left long after the retreat was done. <laughs> Because we were just enjoying each other's company so much and we gave each other lots of space. It was just a beautiful encounter. And the earth responded to that. Spirit responded to that. And we had a miraculous experience on the Sunday. And I've had spiritual uh, experiences like that, but they're usually when I'm by myself. So this was unusual for me to have this experience while in the presence of others. So to me, that was a very good sign that we are evolving. You know, we are ascending. We are having these experiences from other dimensions. And when you can, when you can pair that up with people, yeah, I, I don't know that we can do any more on this earth having this experience than that. I can imagine when you talked about, you know, a group of people, no agendas, an opening of spirit. Um, and I had this flashback of the way I learned to walk as a teenager in Toronto, down the busy streets, um, with blinkers on. So I would not see things it was not necessary, I was not prepared to engage with. Uh, and I would not be engaged by people I wasn't confident I could manage this enormous sense of danger um, and having to, to protect your core self from the people around you. And the difference between that and a space where there is a flourishing of energy and possibility and an absolute lack of borders. So when I'm dreaming big, I dream of somehow building lives without fences and and I'm leaping over all the reasons the good reasons there's lots of places you still need to walk with your walls up absolutely because I'm imagining giving my children a community in which they grow and raise children with so much more of that verdant possibility and 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 security I think the I think the key to that is love. I think the key is love and unity. <clears throat> I'm not sure if you knew or not, but I I worked for two years at the Thunder Bay District Jail. As the uh, they called me the Nilo, the Native Inmate Liaison Officer, and I provided cultural and spiritual support for the men. And my job was to provide that support to the Native men. I I never let that stop me. <laughs> I provided it to anyone that needed support. And the men needed a grandmother figure desperately. And um, I would tell them every day that I loved them. I would ask what I could do to, to help them. The, the conditions in there at that time were horrendous. And... Um, I, I used to laugh because the CEOs would be very concerned for my welfare. Honestly, I think there were in, in the two years, I might have been afraid maybe two or three times. 
And the reason why I was afraid was because, you know, the squad or whatever it's called had to go in and um, use force. That scared me because I would hear what's going on. I, I loved those men so much. I, I miss them terribly. I couldn't handle it anymore because the, um, the building's a very old building. It's made of cement. My body could, just couldn't take it anymore. I, I couldn't do it anymore. I get to connect with them once in a while, um, doing a sharing circle at the Salvation Army. So it's nice to be able to, to check in and see how they're doing. They're people. They, they have spirits. They're important. They have roles. There's, there's a reason why they came to earth at this time. It upsets me so much that they're not seen as even being human. And, um, yeah, you can tell I'm getting upset, so I'm going to maybe try and smooth over this. It's, um, it's very hard, but there's absolutely no reason why we can't be kind to each other and, and love each other. That's what people respond to. That is, that is the um, common denominator that we need. That, that is it. Because when you show respect, when you show love, you receive the same back. I was never, I was never afraid of them. I would take them outside for ceremonies. I remember the very first day I was giving a little speech to the first group that I had taken out, letting them know that, you know, I wasn't there to judge them. It didn't matter to me why they were there, that I was there because I wanted to provide support to them. And I remember the one young man saying to me, oh, we know. And I looked at him and I said, well, how do you know? We can tell. And he's still in contact with me um, today. They matter to me. I care about them. I have one that calls me from out west, and I always know it's him because he calls me Gokum. And so when I hear his voice on the phone, I'm happy. I'm happy to hear from him. I'm, I'm happy to know that he's, he's doing well. Even though he's incarcerated, he is, again, he's, he's a spirit. He's, he's, he's important to me. So when we think about, you know, walking around in a city that is dangerous because of the crimes that is going on, um, you know, the overdoses that are happening, all of these terrible things that are happening, I imagine that it would be very different if people were being loved and respected. That would be a different world. And we need to show that same love and respect to the earth. That would be a different world. This needs to happen, and you can't force it. The best that I have learned is that we lead by example. When we lead by example, people will pick up on that and maybe get inspired, and maybe they will be able to do the same. But things have to change. We're, we're headed down a really dark path. And then on the same token, I get to meet very inspiring people all the time. I've met two this week alone, and I'm um, setting up to do something similar that you're doing, to have them on a speaker's panel. 
because maybe their actions and their beliefs and their personal values will inspire others to also, yeah, extend a hand. How hard is it to extend a hand? You know, when you see that person outside the superstore looking for some help, we have so much. Why is it so hard for us to extend our hand and say, hey, how are you doing today? You know, how are things going? Here, I don't have much, but I have a little bit to share with you. Not to uh, question them and say, well, I, I don't want you spending this on such and such. That's none of our business. It's their journey and it's their perfect journey. And yeah, so again, I, I just feel that treating people with love and respect is the only way we're going to get out of this crisis that we're in. You are so speaking my language. Oh my gosh. So this this journey for me uh, of the podcast started with realizing um, how unprepared I was to give my children the world that I wanted to give them. Um, because I, I hadn't been paying enough attention. And so I started trying to catch up. And what it's bringing me around to is kindness. So in my day job, and I love my day job because I help so much, but I hate my day job because I have to come face to face with the way we've structured our shared resources so that not everybody gets a fair share. So my job is to help people understand how it's built so they can navigate their way through as best as possible. And people don't always listen to me and not everybody comes to my door. And if only we could just put our heads together and say, okay, first things first, everybody needs a fair share. Everybody needs a fair shake. Everybody needs love, right? And, and as soon as you kind of take a step back and stop getting distracted by all the, well, here's how we've always done it, or the risk is this thinking, and worry about the benefit and the values that you need to support and build on, it seems kind of easy to me, right? It's not, it's not a, it's, it's a stretch. Yes. It's not going to happen because somebody flipped a switch or somebody got elected or somebody got, you know, fired. It's not as simple as that. It is a coming together. And, and I can't even imagine all the ways that might contribute to that change and that might come out of that change because I'm just me and it would take many. But that is my wish to move from fear to kindness. Yes, I, I totally agree with that. And um, uh, even at our board meeting last night for Blue Sky, we were trying to figure something out. And, you know, you're talking about these policies and these barriers. And we decided that we weren't going to waste our energy trying to fight the system, we would use our energy in a better way and use it to, um, yeah, to promote what we're doing, to earn the money, to pay it back to the government, this kind of thing, rather than fighting it. Because sure, we could bring people together, maybe we have a protest or a peace rally or something, but are we actually going to change 
what the government is doing? Not likely. That has to come from within their own system and they have to be triggered by, usually it's the bottom dollar, right? That's usually what it is that triggers a change. So we would rather use our energy in a more effective way that feels more comfortable and promote love and kindness. So yes, I, I think it's um, I think it's so exhausting for vulnerable people, and I am one of those vulnerable people, to come to a door and have the door slammed in your face. And when you've had that experience several times, if you feel strong enough, you might be able to come up with another idea. But if you don't, then you absolutely need support and I need support. And I have a team, a very loving team around me that are helping me through these latest transitions. So I worry about other people that don't have that and they don't have the, the opportunity to be able to make that change in their life. So yes, I think it's it's so important for us. And it does feel like you're at the bottom of a really high mountain most days because there's so much to get through. We are only one person, but we are connected with the whole. So every time we make a change within ourselves, that ripples out to the whole. So that's my ancestors, that's my descendants, that's the people around me, that my chosen family, it's everyone. So quite literally, every time we do self-care, we are helping millions of people with that tiny ripple. What is the expression about the butterfly wings or something? So that is true. That is a true statement and you start to see shifts happening around you. So what do I need to focus on? I can't focus on the sadness. I can't focus on the oppression out there. I can't be thinking about what's happening to animals. I can't be thinking about those things because it brings me down too much and then I'm not effective or impactful. What I need to focus on is love. I need to focus on being inspired and inspiring others. That's what I need to focus on. Because, you know, is the media accurate with what's happening around the world? I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I can't see around the world. So I, I need to focus on my little space here and myself and take the very best care of myself so that that will help others. That's my gift to the world. That's my gift to my family. That's my gift to myself, is to take very good care of me. And at 63 years of age, I'll be 64 in July, I feel like I'm just learning. I feel like I'm just beginning. I feel like I've only gotten started. So I don't want anybody to feel discouraged. Um, it takes time. It took me a long time to grow up. And I'm still, you know, still an infant, really. So yeah, I don't want people to feel discouraged. So what do I do? I focus on circles. Circles are very important to me. 
I do have a sacred circle every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I know that circle's going to grow. I know I'm eventually going to need to have a second circle. In that circle, we can all feel safe. Our confidentiality is protected. We can be our authentic selves in that circle. We can talk about what challenges we have. We can talk about what amazing successes we've had. We can talk about different inspirations. We can talk about different healing modalities. We can talk about all those things because we belong in that circle. We feel connected to everyone in that circle. The circles are important to to realize that everyone is equal in the circle. There is no beginning or end to that circle. And we all bring value and gifts to the circle. That's key. I heard you talking about that earlier. That's the key part is to respect and recognize the gifts in each other. Let's not focus on the itty bitty things that bother us. Let's not focus on that. Let's focus on the possibilities and and how we can absolutely impact our environment. Absolutely. For the better. We don't have to erase ourselves from this world. We can engage with it and and be a force for good. And the choices that we didn't see coming, the person who asks for help that we hadn't budgeted for, we can take a deep breath and be generous. And and when you know the work that we planned on doing is interrupted by something unexpected out the window, we can raise our eyes and be gifted. Right? But it is, it's a listening to yourself and cherishing the wisdom inside as well as a courage. Because we're surrounded by messages that say, you know, you could be wrong and then all is lost. You know, there's a lot of of, um, kind of damning out there and that makes us really scared of being, of losing, of lost, of being wrong. Um, and so it does take courage to dare what's probably you're pretty sure your heart tells you is right. Um, it means walking out with a lot more vulnerability. But then you're open to a lot more generosity. I so agree with that. We talk about that in our circle almost every week because we're realizing, we're witnessing that by sharing our vulnerabilities with each other, we are amplifying our own power and we are amplifying the power of the circle. So when I usually begin a sharing circle, whether it's there or someplace else, I like to begin by sharing my vulnerability, whatever's going on in my heart at that given moment, because that gives permission to others to also share their vulnerability. And that's how we release those energies that are no longer serving us, is to release them in in a circle or in another format that feels comfortable to you. So yeah, I totally agree with that. That's my that's my jam. We're speaking each other's language here. <laughs> yeah, we, we sure are. And I think the other important thing is, 
and and this is not to criticize anyone or be offensive. I think the other important thing is is to remove certain words from our vocabulary. I am so sensitive to words. So I don't like using words like right or wrong, good or bad, um, because to me that brings judgment in. And I'm not a judge. That's not my role. That's not why I'm here. So I don't like to have those kinds of words in the conversation. And I am learning the new terminology of the young people that are, um, are the young elders. I'm learning from them. What is the terminology for our relationships today? What is the terminology for our identities today? Why is it that a certain identity is um, is looked down upon? It's just so ridiculous. It's just absolutely absurd. But I again, I'm 63. I didn't grow up with this language, so I'm I'm open and I'm learning and I'm loving it. I'm I'm so enjoying learning this different terminology and the different aspects of identity. I'm kind of taking a left-hand turn here, but one of the things, one of my, you know, the peas in my stack of mattresses is how patriarchal our systems are. And they have most of us being dependents, chattel, you know, and have these narrow views of, of uh, how... Um, power moves through community that strangleholds a lot of situations. So when I'm trying to help people figure out how to plan, the tripping hazards are huge because this has no relationship to how people actually connect with one another. It's so outside, for instance, a family, right? I right now am part of a classic family. I'm married with two children. I wasn't till I was 37, and even now, who my family is, is is so much bigger and broader and doesn't fit within that framework of who sleeps in my house most nights, right? Um, so I think a lot about basic income. If it were married with guaranteed shelter, guaranteed complete care for all of our health, and, and guaranteed food so that everybody has a part at every table. So... That's a lot of boxes in a way. But every other society has started there and only ever gotten around to other things after that one's met, right? So, at any rate, if we could give each other the dignity and security of what we have is shared and and stop with this whole, you know, a house is for parents and two kids, a family is your grandparents and your children and not your aunt, whatever the heck it is, like all of this division of, of who our relations are. Forget the whole, my pets, you know, that's my family, uh, my land, my garden, my home that I grew up in that's far from the home I live in now. You know, we're so much more complicated than our systems allow for. And therefore, when things fall outside those frames, they're not nourished. So if we could just drop a bunch of those darn frames and let ourselves be part of the, the complicated connect, web of connection we are, I think that would be an enormous 
savings. <laughs> like, honestly, the hurt and the headaches and the inefficiencies we could we could save ourselves if we would just get over it already and and be who we are, love who we love, and take care of one another. Yeah, I so agree. And and aside from that, if we were talking to the government right now, it would save them oodles of money if they would just begin to treat everybody the same way. And as you said, share resources. Every time, you know, the city decides to put up another ivory tower that does not take care of the people that need the care, rather they put them on some kind of a pedestal and show show everybody see see the, this person is terrible they're not they're not pulling their weight they're a, they're a burden to the system you know like when that new courthouse went up now they're building the new jail oh my god take that money and help the people that need help come together rather than being in silos come together and work together you know one thing that I noticed that the pandemic did for us was um, there was uh, COVID-19 money given to some of the social organizations in the city and they had this thing where they called they hired people new people and they called them social navigators Oh my God, I said, I'd been praying for that for years to have these connections between the organizations. So if one social navigator could not accommodate a client, they would give that soft handoff to another organization that was able to provide for that client. You know, the the tent... uh, system that was in county fair they figured it out they found places for the individuals to live so why can't we be doing that all the time why can't we see more of that so yeah so I think in the long run I mean the money they're spending at the jails is so ridiculous and there's no rehabilitation in there there's no getting the people prepared for life on the outside. There is none of that. Why not use that money, show some respect and love for the individuals? It would go so much further and um, there would be less vulnerable people. Yeah. And, and, and we're all vulnerable. That's the other thing. Anybody who convinces themselves that it's it's other people's problem and I've won out on this one, I'm okay, is either divorcing themselves from lots of people that actually they are connected to, which is a loss on all sides, mm-hmm. and, and also completely deluding themselves because we are one planet, we're one species, it's connected to every other species, we do not live autonomously in any level. So mm, the other thing, which is very similar... It drives me bonkers is this willingness, this willingness to build walls and uh, processes and precautions that are so expensive. They waste our time. They, they put us in negative, like what could possibly go wrong frames all the time. They feed worries and, and unwillingness to take them down just in case they might catch something when it's so much more efficient. Every parent knows this. If you spend all your time telling your kids, don't do this, don't do that, that could happen. 
all they do is get in trouble. Nobody has any fun, right? And they feel like they're failures. Every parent knows the best way to raise is to create playful, safe spaces, to forgive mistakes and to help people learn from them. That's how you build a happy space. We're all parents or aunts or grandmas. I mean, we're all know this in our hearts. So I just want a permission to put down the weapons already. Take down the walls and dare to, to let people do their thing. Like be healed, be fed, be included, be, be cherished. To, um, to be respected, to be loved. When you were sharing, it reminded me of an experience last week in, I believe it was Saskatoon, where a group of Indigenous youth were looking to be part of, to be part of an event with the RBC. They had followed all the protocols necessary to be part of this gathering they were not permitted in the gathering. To boot, the police were present. And this just horrifies me. There were snipers. These individuals had no weapons. They had their sacred items with them. They were there for a peaceful conversation. They had brought, um, I think it was bylaws or something to be passed. They weren't expecting that that was going to be done. But the very fact that, you know, the system, RBC, how many of you are um, a customer of RBC, would not permit these people into the gathering. And we, we see that happening out west. We have innocent, um, even grandmothers, being taken by force by the police because they are not fitting into the mold that they want everybody to fit into. These individuals are trying to save the earth. And they're doing it in a peaceful way. And they're being arrested they're being accosted. They are being assaulted at the hands of the government. We have uh, the Ring of Fire happening in northwestern Ontario. These are friends of mine. These individuals are trying to save their home. And the government is just barreling through. They have been, the, the communities have said to the government, we do not want you here. Now, how much clearer can they be? And you probably saw on the news that um, they were removed from the legislative assembly because the government did not want to have to face, look these people in the eye and tell them what they are doing. That could be any one of us. When you talk about being vulnerable, who is to say that the government doesn't show up here on my property one day with a, bull, with a bulldozer? And but says, also it's like yeah. part of kindness is the courage 
to turn and face what is wrong when there's a bully to try and stop it, to speak up and not say, I'm going to pretend I never noticed that because I don't want to get involved. Exactly. And I mean, we're all guilty of that. Every single one of us. If anyone says that they're not, again, they're, they're not, um, they're not being honest with themselves. We're all guilty of it. I recognize that I'm living a life of privilege. I didn't have all of these things, you know, as a young adult. I get to live exactly where I want to live. I do exactly the kind of work that I want to do. I have, um, you know, I've got my five cats here. I live in a very peaceful place. I'm absolutely living a life of privilege. Um, You know, when we talk about first world problems, yeah, terrible, right? You know, you're, you're you're out of power for a few days because of an ice storm. Um, they don't have the toilet paper in supply at the grocery store because people are hoarding it. All of these things that we've been experiencing and we think it's horrific, it's nothing in comparison to others. You know, this community that, w- that I was just referring to, Nishkandiga, they still don't have running water. They do not have potable water, and they haven't. I believe the count is like 25 years now. Would anybody in this city put up with that? Not for a second. Not for a second. They would figure it out. They would figure it out. It would be, it would be fixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's also it, right? It's not that we don't have the resources, it's that we're spending them foolishly. We can't afford to keep being this profligate, in spending things on the wrong places. Water is a good place to spend your money. You know, punishment, fear is not. Punishment does not work. It's a waste. Yeah, you know, um, hearing about, um, I don't want to get into that because I will get upset, but hearing about how people are treated in our city is... um, it's so horrendous, and yet it still goes on every single day, every single day. That needs to change, and I don't know the answer to that other than doing what I'm doing. I can't think about it too much because I don't know if I'd be able to get up in the morning. I have to keep myself focused on love and kindness and bringing people together in ceremony and bringing people together in a circle. That's what I have to focus on because I'm not, I'm not the political person. I don't have that kind of energy to waste because my energy needs to be spent on love and kindness. That's where it needs to go. I can't be doing the other things. And sometimes winning a fight is not showing up to feed it. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I have a vision I want to share with you before we stop because we could go for days. We could. But I have, the, I know that you have true visions. And, and I have in my meditation just images that come back that feel like good places to rest. Maybe that's a vision. But the one that I have of Thunder Bay, as I drive through the city, I see so much space. It's not a densely built town, it's a sprawl. And most of those spaces are house poor there's just not enough life and care being given to them so my vision is of this pouring of love 
and attention just rivering its way across the city, blossoming in places that call us with that renewal of verdancy, of places where people can live tied to this boreal forest, nourishing the natural way that this landscape breathes and grows and builds life without having to to abandon it, Um, making it a part of our way of being where we live, even in the city. And and all of those spaces not being trees that your neighbor can cut down because they just bought the property and that's what they feel like doing, but a, a culture of of care and respect and relationship. Um, we live in a powerful place full of plenty, and and there's a lot of good heart there. Um, and so my vision is of this outpouring of hearts, enriching and and making green and more and more season by season, alive and healthy, our home. I totally agree. I used to say that um, what what our region needs is more potluck dinners. Because there is a um, protocol for a potluck. You're not criticizing another person because they could only afford to bring a bottle of Pepsi rather than bringing a meal. You don't see that at a potluck. What you see is that everybody comes together, they bring something, and then through that commonality are able to sit and have a discussion with each other. It's very different from a um, political or government or policy setting. It's very different. So I do feel like we need a lot more potlucks and gatherings. So that's what we do out here. We're, We're focusing on bringing people together all the time. That's our focus. I mean, it's kind of harder to do it in the wintertime because we don't have an outside structure yet. But, you know, that's our focus. And people love that. People love that coming together. It's it's enjoyable. It's pleasant. And we can learn so much from each other if we give ourselves the time and the space to do it and to be open and receptive to other ideas. Because we don't have all the ideas. We're not the ones that have all the answers. We do need to come together and and work together in order to change this ecosystem that we're currently in. So yeah, I totally agree with you. More potlucks. More potlucks. It's a plan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me in your home and for this gift of a conversation. It was wonderful. Thank you very much, Chimi Gwich. You are home, circles, circles, where you want to be, circles, circles, you are safe, circles, circles, you inspire me, circles, circles, lead by example, circles, circles, lend a hand, circles, circles, everyone equal, circles, circles, cherish the land, circles, circles, Cindy Crow. She founded and leads the Blue Sky Community Healing Center. You can find them online. It's based in Niebing, just south of Thunder Bay. And she also heads up Cindy Crow Consulting. She's a busy woman. And and she said that she finds that essential connection to life, to what really matters, she finds that sometimes in listening to music. So, of course, 
I hope she likes the song that our conversation inspired in me, and I'm going to give to you now. But first, I want to mention where you can find more of of this podcast and all the things that go into it, all the things that I reference and draw from. There's more episodes to explore, and um, there's a newsletter you can sign up for. There's even a GoFundMe if you want to contribute to the cost and details on what those costs are. It's all at www.somethingdifferentthiswaycomes.ca. Now, here's your song. Drawing circles, standing strong, Cindy circles, standing strong, reconciling and beguiling, respect, love, and kindness, respect, love, and kindness, reconciler, standing strong. You are home, circles, circles, where you want to be, circles, circles, you are safe, circles, circles, and you inspire me, circles, circles, lead by example, circles, circles, lend a hand, circles, circles, everyone equal, circles, circles, cherish the land, circles, circles, drawing circles. Standing strong, Cindy Circle, standing strong, reconciling and beguiling, respect, love, and kindness, respect, love, and kindness, reconciling. Standing strong. Greet a stranger, circle, circle. See a brother, circle, circles. Choose to be kind, circle, circles. Love one another, circle, circles. Love a stranger, circle, circles. Find a brother, circle, circles. Focus on how we circle, circles. Gift one another, circle, circles. Drawing circles, standing strong, Cindy circles, standing strong, reconciling and beguiling, respect, love, and kindness, respect, love, and kindness, Reconciler Standing Strong Reconciler Standing Strong That was Drawing Circles for Cindy Crow. I'm Heather McLeod. I write and produce, record and edit, publish and promote this podcast. It's as independent as it gets. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next week. 
as we continue season three, imagining the kindness economy. Something different this way comes something. Something different, something different. Something different this way comes something. Something different, something Except, well, I spoke at the Unitarian Fellowship this week. I was invited as a woman whose dad and stepdad both died recently with dementia. And I think because I participate in the Walk for Alzheimer's every year, raising money for the Alzheimer's Society, anyway, I was asked to talk at their service about dementia and to talk about grief. And I thought maybe you'd want to hear it. So here you go. Every year in May, I walk a step for every person living with dementia in Ontario. That's about 282,000 steps right now, about 214 kilometers. It takes me a whole month and a bit of planning. 282,000 people in Ontario currently live with the diagnosis of dementia. So that's not including the people who have it and don't know it yet. That's not including the people who had it and died. That's just people currently in the midst of this illness. And that's about one in every 50 of us. So it's everywhere around you, this struggle, this journey, this loss to grieve. My dad, Norman, died of final stage Alzheimer's in August 2021. My stepdad, Michael, who's the dad who raised me, he died with dementia, though not of it, in June of 2020. Their experiences, how the disease changed their lives and the lives of those most intimately connected, was very different. Norman's was quick, from easily masked to final stage in in maybe two years, very fast. And those two years were COVID years, when he was living in a high-rise condo with my stepmom, Elaine, whose support of him was heroic and heartbreaking to helplessly witness. Michael's dementia was very long and very slow in its progress. Over literally decades, there was a shift in capacity, and and he made his world smaller. In the last decade of his life, he barely ever left the house, and he himself grew more contained. My mom, Faye, supported him. It was a slow transformation from equal partner to caregiver. Dementia strikes at a person's autonomy and challenges their, their very sense of their place, their value in our society. And for me, that is the wellspring of the anger that and defensiveness and and worry that was so much a part of diagnosis and and the early stages of trying to manage the loss of your short-term memory. That anger and risk, you know, because it's well-founded, is what grinds at me the most. You'd think it would be the grief, you know, of fathers that die, um, but that is more familiar. We all die. And a life well-lived is easier to 
live without. They're so much a part of who you are. But that that horror at diagnosis, at knowing that you would go from being the giver, the supporter, the secure one who offers security to others, to losing all of that um, value that you offer, that you think is a measure of your value, it's well-founded. Um, because we live in a society that's fissured with giant chasms that people fall through that don't meet our society's tests of them. They don't have the family. They don't have the money. They don't have the health. So if there's one thing that meditating on dementia and its place in our society right now keeps bringing me back to, it's a wish that we can figure out how to fill in all those fissures and ensure that everyone is confident that what there is, they have their fair share of, and that they are valued not for what they can do, but simply because they are. Because they are people, they are souls, they're spirits, that we each have this inherent value and grace. Another pattern in my days that I think of often when I think of dementia is every child matters. And that is, of course, speaking of the horrors of the children who were taken from their families, undercared for, um, stripped of their identity and relationships. And when they died, it was hidden up. All of that loss. Absolutely, every child matters makes me think of and acknowledge that grief. But it also broadens in my heart to think every child matters. Every one among us is a child that matters intrinsically. And if that is the value we're going to turn towards when deciding what to do and how to measure out what we have, I think we would change a lot of important things. Because the other part of thinking of dementia that comes often to mind is the way my dads would look at me. As their short-term memory went away, there was first a great time of, of anxiety and anger and paranoia, which, as I said, I relate to losing your securities in this world, to be able to manage a social situation, to being confident that you are the one who's giving and you don't have to instead receive more than you can give. But also, as that disappeared, the, the filters that are between us and our connections to one another, you know, the expectations, the social niceties, the routines, they all fell away. And, and that was hard for me. You know, I would organize things to spend time with my dad, and, uh, and they would, they'd be kind of worn out by the attempt to spend time with me. That sort of social engagement was sort of beyond them. And so I would be there more as a witness pouring love on a person whose body seems but a shell of all the things that they have given me and I've known them to have over the years. But yet, when they looked at me, when they saw my face, there was this, this outpouring of grace, of love, that was just raw and overwhelming and beautiful. And for a little while, I thought, oh my goodness, we're down to the basics. You know, there's love between us. And then I noticed 
that they would pour that on any recognized face, any face, that they had become vessels of grace, seeking connection with other vessels of grace around them, and briefly reveling in it, and then moving on, because they lived so much in the moment as they lost that part of their brain. So that thought that we are all vessels of grace, that we are all full of love, that we are able to pour on one another without relationship or expectation or exchange, just as a giving, that also is a, is a profound gift that I took from being a witness to my dad's death with dementia, both of their deaths, different as they were. And that's the thought I want to leave with you today, that in, in grieving someone through dementia, we're grieving all the ways we are used to knowing them, all the ways they have gifted us that we lose as they lose capacity. And we're grieving also that engagement with us that they lose as they lose, you know, the moment. And then we're grieving them themselves, the soul, the spark that we could still keep company with. And that was so beautiful, so pure, such love unfiltered. That is what is gone when they die. So, in walking in thought of dementia and grief, walk with the image of all of us being full of love and consider how we can remove anything between one another that inhibits us from bridging and sharing love. And that's really it for today. <laughs>